Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Brady Farkas, he's the host of the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV in Vermont, and he joins us now. Brady, appreciate you joining us, man. How you doing this afternoon? I'm doing well, man. I got tournament fever, just like I think you guys do. I'm excited. I tip it off already. Yeah, that's kind of how we are, too. And we've, of course, followed Arkansas season. We followed their successes. We followed their failures. We we feel good about where they're at. It's about right. It's about what people expected. But let, looking at Vermont, though, what has this season been like? Was this something that was expected with Vermont, that they would make it to this point and to win their conference? Just give us an overall feel of how this season has gone for them. Yeah, this season has been uh, awesome for Vermont. And this is something that we, as a fan base, have grown accustomed to. I mean, this was the sixth, you know, sixth season in the last seven that UVM was in the America East Conference title game. I've been in Vermont for six years. This is the third trip to the NCAA tournament, you know, that I've been a part of in those six years. So it's an expectation from the fan base to be really, really good. Now in the non-conference, this team could not shoot a lick. I mean, my goodness, they couldn't hit anything. They were like 25% from three for their, through their first 10 games. So once they got to conference play, they really did turn it up. And as you guys were just referencing, the conference was down this year. I mean, there, and there's multiple reasons as to why, but they ran through the conference. So they have been on a roll for the last, for the last two and a half months. And, um, I'm not going to be the guy that comes on from the small place and guarantees the upset, but this team deserved a 13 seed. I think a 13 seed puts them in a position to maybe pull that upset, and they're good enough to do it. I don't know that they will, but they are good enough. Is this a conference that at times, maybe not this year, but at times you feel is deserving of getting more than one team in? Because that's a lot of pressure that Vermont plays pretty much year in and year out where they can have a great season – but it almost comes down to winning that conference tournament and winning the championship to have a chance to get in. Yeah, no, definitely not. This is a one-bid big league through and through, and um, it's going to be a one-bid league as long as this collection of teams is in it. I mean, it's the 28th-ranked conference out of 32. You have to win your league tournament. So, you look, you could go 18-0 and in the league, or you could go 4-14, and but you've got a chance no matter what come tournament time, and it's why, um, and I hate to say this, but a lot of the fan base here has just become on autopilot because they know that Vermont's going to be good in the regular season, and it's all about three games come tournament time. So, yeah, a lot of the fan base is on autopilot, but this is definitely a one-bid league through and through. And, you know, this league has made noise before. Um, you know, 15 years ago, U Albany was almost the first 16 seed to ever beat a one seed, and then Connecticut went on to win the national championship after barely escaping them. UNBC was the first 16 seed to ever beat a one seed when they beat Virginia, and then Virginia goes on to win the title the next year after that. So this league has done damage before, but uh, definitely always going to be a one-bid league. So let's look at them just from this year's perspective. What makes them so good? Because obviously I would be lying to you if I sat here and said that I watched a lot of Vermont basketball this year. So I haven't had a chance really to see much. But what is it about their team that makes them so good that the Razorbacks are going to have to make sure they slow down if they want to win? They have the two best players in the league. And at mid-major, low-major basketball, you don't usually get that. Um, 
They have the two-time reigning player of the year in Ryan Davis, who's a big guy who runs about 6'9", who can play down low and can shoot the three. You don't get a big that's that versatile at this level of basketball. They've also got Ben Shungu, who's a sixth-year player because of a red shirt in the COVID year. Um, so they've got the best guard in the conference and the best big man in the conference. So that tandem together is really good. And then you throw in the fact that they can get double figures. If you're going to pull an upset, you have to get three players in double figures. Like, I know that those two, like your stars, have to be stars. But if you're going to beat Arkansas, you need somebody else also to do something special. And they have three or four guys that that can be. And, you know, to have seven or eight guys that you can go to, six or seven of them, which are all capable of getting double figures, that's a rarity at this level of basketball. So they have the two best players in the league. They have a, a veteran group, an experienced group. Uh, you know, Shungu is 24 years old because of redshirt and because of the extra COVID year. So they're experienced. Some of these guys have been to the tournament before, and uh, you know, they're, they're very, very deep. Now, with Ryan Davis, what what are some of the other bigs like on this roster? Because he's your star, as you mentioned, but, uh, you know, not that they're the biggest team across the board. So what are some of the other bigs on this roster look like and uh, the help that he could possibly get either within that starting lineup or someone coming off the bench? No, he's not going to get that help. He's going to be the big guy. I mean, if, if this is the case whenever you're talking about a – you know, a, a speed disparity matchup like this, but like UVM cannot afford to get in foul trouble. If they get in foul trouble, this thing could certainly snowball in the direction that you want it to. Ryan Davis is the big guy on this team. He is the main post player. They'll bring in Nick Fiorillo, who's a redshirt sophomore, but he is more of a, you know, more of a modern day big. He likes to shoot, you know, likes to shoot outside. He is long. He can defend, but I wouldn't bank on him, you know, playing 28 minutes in this game. Uh, he's probably a guy who will play, you know, eight, nine minutes. So they're a guard-oriented team. Um, they're going to get up and down. They're going to get in transition. I would expect that they're going to try to shoot the three and, and you know, try to neutralize Arkansas's size and speed. But uh, they're good, but they cannot get in foul trouble because Davis really is it down low. Yeah, because that's the thing with uh, with Arkansas and who they've played and you know what what's caused them problems is they have big guys that have been able to score, but they still find ways to win. Uh, but it seems like the thing that has plagued Arkansas, at least in the teams that had success against them, was the three point shot. And it, it like right there, it kind of gets a little bit of a red flag to uh, to Razorback fans because obviously Vermont shoots the three so well. But the teams that have had success against Vermont this year. Was it just taking away the three-point shot, and that's what led to the victory, or was there uh, other factors involved that ended up uh, helping out those other teams beat Vermont? I mean, it's hard to say. They they just they could not shoot in the in the non-conference. So you look at they had five losses, four of them came in the non-conference, and I would say that most of them were attributed to the fact that they just could not shoot. And now they got beat by Maryland, and they got beat by Providence, two Power Five teams. Um, they were with Providence, and Providence ended up being very, very good in the Big East. They played real close with Maryland, too, and Shungu went for 28 points in that game, if I'm remembering correctly. So even with not being able to shoot, they played those two teams well. Their other two losses, I mean, I think they scored like 52 and 55 or something. So um, when they have played poorly, it has been because they have not been able to shoot, but we have not seen that team very much over the last two and a half months. Now, we have contrasting styles as far as the matchup goes. Vermont, known for their offense. Arkansas, more so defensively based. But 
they like to get some uh, some baskets and transition off that defense, and so they have the ability to score some points. But defensively, how does Vermont stack up? Vermont is excellent defensively. Now, again, take it with a grain of salt that the league was down, but you know Vermont is the first team in the last 40 years to win three conference tournament games by by 30 or more. Like they are putting the clamps down on people and scoring. They allowed 42 in their semifinal conference game. They allowed 43 in their finals. So they they can put the clamps down for sure. They rebound well. They're very very disciplined. Um, they don't take a ton of chances, and then you know you know, get caught, uh, get caught running or get caught chasing people. They, they play very good sound defense generally holds you to one shot and out. And I think we're going to, that's been a staple of this program ever since I've been here and then long before me. So I, I don't think you're going to see them beat themselves defensively. If, if they lose this game, I think it's going to come down to Arkansas was just too big or was just too fast and UVM didn't shoot well, but I don't think that they're going to get run out of the gym because defensively they can't cut it. I don't think that will be the storyline here. Also, defensively, uh, what's more their style? Are they more man, or do they go zone, or they kind of mix it up? No, they're going to play man. Um, they're going to play man, and they're going to be – I know I think they're pretty aggressive on the ball. I don't think they're going to be picking up full court or anything, but they're certainly going to try to just get in passing lanes again, be disciplined. They do a good job switching, good job communicating. They do all the things that – that stereotypically smart low and mid major teams have to do. So, um, you know, I, I I thought all along that this team could win a tournament game. It was going to depend on their matchup. Now, Arkansas, you know, the, the early scouting report for us on you is that Arkansas tends to struggle um, from outside at times. If that is the case, I think UVM can 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 aid in that. I think they have the ability to take a team that's already average from the outside and make them worse, and then. It, if UVM can capitalize and hit threes at the rate that they've been doing, I think they would. I think they have the formula for an upset again. We'll see what happens, but uh, I think the formula is there. Speaking with Brady Farkas of the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV Radio up in Vermont, uh, Brady, just what do you know about Arkansas from your perspective? Obviously, a team that made it to the Elite Eight last year, trying to make it to the second weekend again this year. Eric Musselman's in his third season. Just what are overall your thoughts on Arkansas? You know what? To be honest, I don't have many thoughts just yet. I'm in I'm in early week scouting, just like you guys are. <laughs> my 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 notes tell me that uh, Arkansas, like I just said, not great from the outside, or at least not consistent from the outside. But when you take on a team from the SEC, I expect to see a team that can fly around, that can be fast, that can be physical. Um, I do think that Vermont is capable and willing could play a bit of a track meet in this game though um you know this team went to the tournament now we're talking four years ago but they played a much bigger much faster florida state team and they were very very willing to, to get up and down the floor with them and in a way of neutralizing florida state size ubm was just jacking from three i mean they had to have taken 35 threes in that game they played relatively close with the seminoles until late in the second half despite florida state having two seven footers so I, I, they have the ability to play games like this. This program has played Kansas. This program has played Kentucky in the last couple of years. So they're not afraid to, to take on bigger teams from bigger conferences. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by size and speed, and I think they're capable of playing with it. The, the thing, honestly, right now that worries me the most from a Vermont perspective is the time of game. Like, I do not like 
this game being at 9.20 at night, and you know as well as I do that that's going to get pushed back because of all the other games. Like, I'm sure this game won't tip off until 10. And if Vermont's going to pull an upset, I would have much rather than see them play at 12-15 when they can truly sneak up on somebody and have Arkansas be the team that's playing first and immediately under pressure. I'm sure by the time we get to 10 o'clock, there will have been two or three other upsets, and Arkansas will be even more honed in. I would have rather seen them come out sleepy and uh, and play at 12-15. This late start, I think, actually bodes much better for you than it does us. Is it an easy trip from Vermont to Buffalo? What do you expect fan support-wise? It's not an easy trip from Vermont to anywhere, but uh, <laughs> I do think that there will be um, a good presence there. This program travels travels well. Um, it's a it's a very it's a much older fan base. It's a very you know we have no pro sports team in Vermont. We have no other Division One colleges. So there's everybody in this state almost is an alum or is a fan or both. So and and it's it's passed down from generations to generations. So there's this group of people that goes to every UVM game no matter where it is. So I do think that Vermont will travel very, very well. And then, you know, the the underdog mentality, if the game is close, then the whole crowd is going to get behind them because the the whole crowd gets behind the underdog always. Like Vermont, the greatest win in program history, they beat Syracuse in 2005 in the tournament. That game was played in Massachusetts, and it was a very pro Vermont crowd. So I think the crowd will be on their side, just given the relative proximity and then the relative, you know, the, the overall underdog status. But yeah, it's not easy to get anywhere from Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's a catamount? Like, I, I, what is that? A catamount is like a mountain lion. Oh, so just I guess it sounds yeah. better than having mountain lion. Just you know, kind of flip the words, put them together, and do catamount, right? Everybody, you know, everybody is Panthers already. It's not like a Panther. So why, why be something that everybody else? I think there's only two Division One Catamounts. Western Carolina is the Catamount, and Vermont is the Catamount. And interestingly enough, Vermont has a player who transferred in from Western Carolina. So outside of the uh, the color change, that kid, Sam Gibson, has spent his whole life as a Catamount, with, to, despite being at two different schools. Who's Vermont's biggest rival? You would think that there would be a natural rivalry with Maine. Maine is atrocious. So no, no, no rivalry with Maine. New Hampshire. Um, if you're going by statewide proximity, it would be New Hampshire. But it changes every year based on who is good. Um, it was Albany for a while because um, Albany was really good, and Albany went to three straight NCAA tournaments, and they kept knocking UVM out. Then it was Stony Brook because Stony Brook was in a position, and then it was UMBC and. UMBC, you know, the year they beat Virginia in the NCAA tournament as a 16 seed, they they hit a buzzer beater on Vermont's home floor in the Americas title game to win that. So it ended up being UMBC for a while. So it, it it's like pro sports. It depends on who's good around you. Uh, I guess I would say that Albany is probably the, the team that fans hate the most, but right now they're a middle-of-the-conference team as it is. Yeah, because I actually uh, I've had some uh, people like kind of chiming in about Vermont too. Was it uh, was it Sorrentine? Was he the one that hit the shot against? Is it Syracuse or am I thinking of Taylor Coppenrath? Co- Taylor Coppenrath, yeah, kind of well, maybe the ones. Yeah. No, you're you're you were right. Sorrentine and Coppenrath are the two best players okay, in yeah. program history. They were on the team together, but uh, the 0-5 win against Syracuse, Sorrentine hit the shot, That's and right. uh, Gus Johnson. 
Gus Johnson has the famous call, Sorrentine, my goodness, hit that one from the parking lot. In the typical Gus voice. So, uh, yeah, Sorrentine from the parking lot, 05. I will say this, like, as fun as it is to have that memory, it's time for this program to make a new one. Like, you know, we're, that, that's almost 20 years old. And it's a great memory, and it's the biggest win in program history. But this program has gotten good enough and consistently good enough that it's time to to make another one. They got close against Purdue a couple of years ago and had a player tear their ACL before the half, and that kind of knocked them out of that one. Florida State, they were you know relatively close with too. And I don't know that Thursday is the night, but I know that this fan base, this program is itching for that next signature moment. Yeah, that's what it seems like, too, and especially uh, another thing that we were kind of laughing about uh, with Vermont, or at least uh, with my boss before the we started the show, is that he wants in contact with Taylor Coppenrath. So if you have any sort of way of getting into contact with him, he would love to talk with him or interview him. I don't know how good your sources are up there when it comes to former players, but if you have a contact, man, hit me up so I can give it to my boss and make some brownie points. Well, I got the... Uh... I've got the contact for Sorrentine and Coppenrath. So oh, man. Uh, okay, well, he uh, he can get Coppenrath. I want Sorrentine, and uh, we can see if we can make that work. All right, well, let's uh, we'll, let, let's connect after the show on uh, Twitter or something, and we'll, we'll make it happen. Awesome, awesome, man. Well, Brady, we really appreciate you joining us, man. It's going to be a great one, and we'll have some fun up there in Buffalo, all right? All right, let's do it. Good luck, guys. Not too much luck, but good luck in your coverage the rest of the uh, the rest of the week, and uh, I think uh, I'll reach out to you guys later in the week. We'll get you on my show and get the uh, Razorback perspective. And I got to say, I thank you for not asking me questions about maple syrup or Bernie Sanders. And in exchange, I will not ask you questions about Southern barbecue when you come on my show. (laughs) 